Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigSceneDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of sports yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. One of the biggest stories in recent college football and all college sports is the NIL, the name, image, and likeness. That's where student athletes get paid. It's not a new concept. It happened over 100 years ago, too. And Timothy Brown of FootballArchaeology.com is here to tell us all about it in just a moment. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal to positive football history. And it is Tuesday, and we are happy to say that Timothy P. Brown of FootballArchaeology.com has joined us once again to talk about another one of his great tidbits. Tim, welcome back to the Pigpen. Darren, thank you. Good to see you again. Hear your voice. Have the opportunity to chat a little bit. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, the the football seasons are winding down in, in all of the leagues here. Uh, you know, this is this coming weekend. We have the Super Bowl coming up. You know, we're actually recording this a couple weeks ahead of time. But we, we know who the participants are. And, uh, you know, it's not so good for for your neck of the woods. Uh, you know, the, the Lions had a great season and uh, just uh, didn't didn't work out their way at the end of the, the game of the uh, NFC yeah. Championship. Yeah, unfortunately, I... Uh... You know, grew up a Packers fan, and they bit us the week before, and then the Lions. So I don't know that I really care anymore about either team, <laughs> either team that's in there. Uh, so, sometimes that's what makes it fun. If you have no uh, vetted interest in it, you just sit back and hope for good football and enjoy the athletes yeah. and some of the great things that they do and what happens. And you know, you're not worried one way or the other if something bad happens. Yeah, so. yeah. My daughter. Uh, who grew up in Detroit but lives in San Francisco? She kind of couldn't couldn't lose in that game, so well, she's got a continued rooting interest, but not for me. Yeah, what are you going to do? Well, paying players—you know—these players in the NFL are getting paid quite a bit, and it sort of segues into what we're going to be talking about now. We, we know that uh, now college players are are getting paid with the NIL contracts and everything, but you have a story in one of your tidbits uh, from a little while back where you talk about some players getting paid in college back almost 100 years ago, and maybe you'd like to discuss that with us today. Yeah, well, you know, I think it uh, 
the idea of paying somebody to to participate in sports and particularly at the college level i mean that that's as old as people you know as long from the day that people said hey it's important for my college to beat your college uh you know all from that moment they started finding ways to make sure that good athletes attended this school or that school um you know, and for a long, long time, it was an informal process. Um, you know, there used to be like the banker in town would send a, you know, pay for a kid to go to college. Uh, and it, geez, if he happened to be a good athlete and you went to Old State U, you know, that was great. Um, but, you know, they, you know, they're also like way back in the day, you know, top student athletes often were like, they'd be like agents for, cigar manufacturers or chewing gum manufacturer, you know, any, anything that was sold on campus. And then if they could influence people's buying behavior, uh, you know, they, they got paid money, you know, for that kind of thing. And there's a lot of, a lot of that kind of stuff went on. And then obviously there were the, the easier no-show jobs that, that guys had as well. But so, I mean, there's always been kind of the under the table thing. And then in 1929, there was a big report. Uh, the Car- Carnegie Foundation you know, did a report on college, uh, college football, basically criticizing all of this underground payment you know, system and you know, having guys there who maybe weren't really the greatest students, et cetera. Um, and so the, the, the one, the funny thing about that, I mean, it was one of those things that kind of just ignored. I mean, the, the Great Depression started shortly after they issued the report, so people kind of had you know bigger problems to to you know to worry about. But um, there were you know a handful of people, professors, you know, folks directly involved in athletics who were kind of come and saying, "We should pay these guys. You know, they should get a percentage of the gate, or you know, they should get." There was a a guy at Missouri who. Um, said, you know, the players should get $2 per hour for practice. <laughs> now, that doesn't sound like much, but it'd be the same as $36 an hour today. You know, beer money, you know, for a college athlete. Um, and then there were a couple of student newspapers, Minnesota and UCLA, came out saying, hey, you know, the the football players in particular, they basically subsidize all other sports, which was true at most most bigger schools at the time. Um and I've, you know, I've got documentation on, on that that I'll probably put out in another tidbit. But so anyways, you know, and, and then others were just arguing like, you know, football in particular, and then later on basketball and baseball, they had, they were commercialized, you know, they were professionalized in every way other than paying the players. You know, the coaches got big time money. Uh, people had to pay money to attend the games. Um, and you know, then they started selling video rights and then they started selling TV rights. So, you know, there were these pots and pots of money. Um, so, I mean, if you looked at a college, a big time college athletic program, that is a pro program, you know, it's run by professionals in some ways it's run for professionals. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and the only thing that wasn't quote professional about it was that the athletes didn't get paid. They got a scholarship, you know, at, at bigger schools, and then eventually they'd get some spending money and, you know, da-da-da. But nothing uh, 
nothing at all like what their actual market, you know, power was. And so now that now this NIL is out there, you know, all of a sudden guys are, you know, starting to make some pretty good money. Some guys are better off staying in, in college an extra mm-hmm. year than right. signing some, you know, low level uh, rookie contract. Now, obviously then their pro contract, that clock starts, you know, doesn't start clicking or, you know, ticking for another year, but you know, somebody tells me I can make whatever a million bucks through NIL, you know, versus, you know, whatever, you know, 800,000 or whatever the current rookie contract is worth, uh, you know, you got to think about it. <laughs> so it's just really, um, it's a, been a long time of coming. Right. And mm-hmm. like myself, I don't necessarily like some of the things that's going to, the impact it's going to have on the game. Um, but that's just a selfishness on my, you know, whereas the kids deserve the money, you know, just like artists or, you know, musicians or a kid who invents, you know, writes a piece of software or whatever, you know, TikTok sort of influencer, whatever, you know. So anyways, it's one of those kind of funny things. It's that conflict has always been there. Now it's more or less out in the open. So I think that's good. Yeah, because uh, I mean, if if it wasn't for the, the student athletes, uh, people wouldn't be paying to go watch an empty uh, football field or basketball court or or whatever right. event they're going to. So yeah, those kids deserve it, and they work hard. And uh, you know, I, I was kind of surprised though. You know, I I knew when the NIL was coming out that uh, you know players were going to be getting paid, but I had no idea they was going to be as lucrative for for some of these folks as as it is. I mean the. Uh, I, I was astounded. The LSU gymnast, uh, and I forget what her name is. She's on a couple of commercials now, and she's a social influencer. She's making millions uh, just yeah. by her likeness and image. So it's amazing. Yeah. And, you know, so some people are going to get that money based on, frankly, what they look like. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, others, you know, their personality, just their, you know, obviously she had to be smart enough to, I mean, she's a very attractive young lady, but, you know, she figured out the game and uh, was doing some, you know, you know, I'm she, she's, you know, I mean, I've never watched herself, but I assume she's got to have a presence and delivery, whatever it is. Right. Um, so smart enough to, to take advantage of that and the situation she was in. So, yeah, more power to her. Yeah, definitely has a couple extra bucks left over after buying the school books each semester. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. She didn't even, didn't even have to sell her school books to yeah. <laughs> the old days. Great. Well, that's, I mean, that's interesting that it's been around that long that, uh, you know, the debate's been long for a hundred years now. So that's, uh, it's incredible. Yeah. So that's why it's a, such a great read. And maybe you could share with the listeners how they too could uh, partake in, in your tidbits. Yeah, easy enough. Just go to footballarchaeology.com, subscribe on uh, Substack, and or I should say you can just visit on Substack whenever you want. You can follow me on Twitter. So whatever fits your fancy. Well, hey, Tim, we really appreciate you coming on here and sharing another one of these uh, great stories of football and aspects of football of, of old that uh, you, know, you really have 
big meaning in today's uh, co- college football world. And uh, we appreciate you. And uh, you know, folks, make sure you check out footballarchaeology.com. We have the links in the show notes to this tidbit, and it takes you into to Tim's realm of archaeology.com like you talked about. And Tim, we'll, we will love to talk to you again next week about another aspect of football. Very good. Look forward to chatting again. We're taking a peek over at the chains in the down marker. It's fourth and long. We're going to have to punt the ball and get on out of here, but we'll have another series tomorrow for your football history headlines, so be sure to tune in. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleat Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. Pigskindispatch.com is a proud affiliate of the Sports History Network, the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.